Hello, and welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist podcast that is out of this world. Today we have Laura, Zoe, Ozzy, and Kellen. And today we are talking about something kind of random for us, but to be honest, the world is a dumpster fire and it feels good to talk about news that isn't horrific and terrifying. So this week we are talking about a slew of archaeological and astronomical findings that have been happening in rapid succession this year. You know, we're talking sinkholes, underground cities, buried treasure at sea, black holes making noise. Um, This episode came about because I am obsessed with this TikTok creator at Tani Berlow, T-A-N-I-B-E-R-L-O. Highly recommend giving her a follow. She's, um, I realized I wrote this and I don't know if she's from Australia or New Zealand and I I so I don't want to make a grave assumption and error. I feel like isn't there is that Oceana? Like isn't there a term for like yes. both? <laughs> yes. Well, and I feel like whenever I have accidentally assumed someone was the one that they aren't, they were like it's so obvious. Mm. I can't you tell them I'm like I'm so sorry. <laughs> I made a grave error. So No. In that region, I feel like you could be like down on meth. Like does not that encompasses <laughs> all of it, I think. I don't know if down under know. does encompass New Zealand. Yeah, oh, I take it back then. Yeah, I think down under is Australia. Yeah, it's just so Australia. I, I don't even know. Oh know. my god. <laughs> because my, my I problematic. Like We're getting canceled. <laughs> well, I think I learned about this because I said that by oh act and I was like and they're like, that's not like, even no. a thing. That's a that's only Australian. And I was like, oh, totally (laughs) (laughs) also we have some australian listeners so thank you for and new zealand though and new zealand yeah and they're all mad at us right now the like 30 people that listen to us in new zealand i'm so sorry (laughs) yeah (laughs) also if you know tani because if she's in new zealand maybe you know her just like people say they like see lord walking around (laughs) what's the population of new zealand I, it can't uh, be on. much. <laughs> I'm going to Google it. This is the real mystery of the Well, universe. honestly, at this point, I could also Google what time It looks is. like it's about 5 million. million. Yeah, 5 million. Oh. Okay. Well, that's okay. bigger than I thought. But still, that's kind of like, isn't that like New York City? It's smaller, smaller than New York. Yeah. Significantly oh. smaller. So, yeah. <laughs> I run into people I know in New York all the time. So I could see it happening. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you know this TikTok star... Tell them we said hi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless they're from Australia, in which case, don't. In which case, don't. Okay, what's QLD? I think that's Queensland, what? Australia. Okay, Australia. So that well, seems like Australia. My, my first instinct, we love it. We love it. Either way, we got here. <laughs> um. Anyway, she loves history. So, Kellen, wink, wink. She's also literally so hot, like the so beautiful. Oh, um, interested. Just it, like our other favorite historian. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I brought it up in that way. <laughs> and um, she's been doing a lot of videos of these amazing things being uncovered. So, as the TikTokers say, let's get into it. <laughs> um, so, 
One thing that is really exciting to me is that there is a hidden city in modern-day Iraq that's been uncovered. So due to a drought, a 3,400-year-old city has been unearthed, and that would have been in a major city in the Mitanni Empire. I need to get take the American out of my accent when I say <laughs> that. Mitanni. Um <laughs> You had a really heavy accent when you said um, in the intro, you were like, the world is a dumpster fire. It was just <laughs> I like, also noticed oh, that. <laughs> the dumpster fire. Oh, yeah. It pops out. <laughs> the Buffalonian pops, it pops out. out. That's so funny. I did not notice that at all. I think I'm just used to like a New York accent at this point. So it's well, like... it's kind of Midwestern, but yeah, either mm-hmm. way. Um, it's chaos. Thank you. I love it. Uh, this city would have origi- would have been next to the Tigris River, but due to increased water levels, it's literally been underwater for thousands of years. Archaeologists think think they found a palace and several important buildings in this city, and think that it must have been the city of Zakiku, which would have been the center of the Mitanni Empire. So this was an empire that reigned from 1550 to 1350 BC. The kingdom's territory stretched from the Mediterranean Sea to northern Iraq. So at the end of 2021, there was a pretty massive drought which brought to light this Bronze Age city pretty much out of nowhere. And archaeologists think that this city was destroyed by an earthquake around 1300 BCE. There's clay pots and 100 clay tablets with cuneiform on them, which now can be translated so people can learn about this lost city. So in case you don't know, cuneiform is the wedge-shaped characters used in ancient writing systems of Mesopotamia, Persia, and Ugarit. Let's go with it. Um, Which has survived uh, mainly on clay tablets. The ancient scripts date back to Middle Assyrian period, a time shortly before the earthquake that destroyed the city, according to archaeologists. This whole project is being overseen by Curtis Ar- Kurdish archaeologists, and also there are German assistants on the project. So currently, the whole city is back underwater, which is objectively a good thing because the severe drought that brought the city to light in the first place is due to climate change. Um, But before the water returned, archaeologists covered the entire project in tarps in an effort to protect this hidden civilization. Very Atlantis vibes. (laughs) Um, So just to keep going on this vibe of like things that have been found under the ground, um, another 2021 discovery is a new dinosaur i am personally very excited about this um so it was announced in early july that paleontologists may have discovered a new species and here are the statistics first of all name uh meraxes gigas um gigas wait let me just start over it's not gigas (laughs) (laughs) you don't even need to say we'll leave that (laughs) it's meraxes gigas um um, so as the name suggests, it is very large, uh, giga, etc. cetera. Um, it's up to 39 feet long, they think, and probably weighed over 9,000 pounds. Um, in terms of like what it looked like, it's similar in shape to the T-Rex. So big, black le- big back legs, um, tiny little arms, big ass head. 
really long teeth. Um, it lived about 90 million years ago during the Cretaceous period, which was the last of the three periods during which the dinosaurs reigned. And it was found in what is now Argentina, which, by the way, is home to a lot of very productive dino digs. It was found with several other dinosaurs, but it's not clear if those were new species or not. The skeleton itself is super well preserved, um, especially by the standards of things that are 90 million years old. Um, and the bones were actually discovered way back in 2012. They took a couple of years to dig them out and were finished digging by 2014. And then it took several years for scientists to examine them and finally determine that they did in fact constitute a new species of bipedal carnivorous dinosaur. So welcome, Maraxes Gigas. We love you. And welcome sorry to the podcast. Yes. <laughs> Friend, Friend of the pod, pod. Maraxes Gigas. <laughs> Kellen, literally when you were describing how big it was um, by saying it was 9,000 pounds, m- my dad energy j- jumped out and I almost made the joke, well, you can't put that on an elevator. <laughs> Makes no sense. I don't know why certainly, that was, came to my mind. Certainly cannot. That is a big <laughs> ass dinosaur. I mean, truly, think about it. Thirty nine feet long. That's do so we know big. if that's like is it bigger than a T Rex or like about the same size? Let me just Google Let that. Real how quick. big a T Rex is? So T Rexes are basically a, about the same length, usually about forty feet, but are much heavier. So between 11,000 and 15,000 pounds. Yes. Also so this guy's like a little slimmer. <laughs> is also not white? Definitely not. I mean, I don't think elevators. they had elevators. So <laughs> I don't think they had to worry about it. Well, I don't know if you've seen the new but, Jurassic World featuring Lauren. Oh, my God. But... I have not. But <laughs> I need to. Um, I, mean, I don't know if it. It's not good yeah. other than the fact that Laura Dern is in it, is what I will say. I, right. I just feel like I need to, like, complete the right. cycle, you sure. know. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if any of you know this about me, but I was on and off hooking up with a paleontologist in my early 20s, and that did trigger oh me. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> that whole time I was like, not again, not again. No, I'm just kidding. I'm fine. I'm, everything's fine. <laughs> not again. I, I was like a, a very like a dinosaur <sighs> child like one of the kids that is like i like expressed my early ocd and being like i have to know literally every fact about dinosaurs that is known to man so i had them like i just like I, I truly believed I was going to be a paleontologist when I grew up until I learned that basically being a paleontologist means weighing bones. You weigh some bones, you write the numbers down. You weigh another bone, you write the numbers down. You take a, me- a measuring stick, you measure the bones, you write the numbers down. It's not nearly as cool as people make it out to be. And if your hookup person suggested that he was cool for being a paleontologist, that's a lie. I just want to say that right now. Well, that was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Roasted. They definitely don't listen it's to this podcast. It's not that cool. But... I mean, it is cool. You get to dig stuff up, but most of it is just measuring, and that's not fun. No. I was, well, I was really into specifically Triceratops as a child. That's the only That's one. a great choice. That's, that's a, good a really good choice. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. it's one of the less fucked up looking ones in terms of having stuff coming out of its head. They're you know? cute, but then I found out it's actually not its own kind of dinosaur. It's only a baby. What do you mean it's only a baby? Really? A triceratops, right? It's like a baby of a different dinosaur. 
Like, I think they grow out of being a triceratops. My whole childhood is a lie. I was going to say, unless someone lied to me about that. Maybe I'm the liar. I I thought that was a thing. Kellen says no. Wait, I thought a triceratops was like a baby. No, it's a genus. It's like, there are types of triceratops. You know, in the so like- hit classic film, The Land Before Time, uh, the original, I know there's like <laughs> up to 27 or something. <laughs> Sarah is the babiest of all, really. So but someone told me that like triceratops, when they grow up, they don't have the three, the tri anymore. So there's different types of triceratops. Like that is, that's like an un- Someone lied to me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Was it the fucking paleontologist? I actually don't remember, but maybe. But I don't remember. I don't care. Me I don't <laughs> what? Code and I at the same time just said enemy of the pod. <laughs> I was going to be like, I don't even know that I remember their name, but yes, I do. But I'll tell you later. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so next. Oh, I can't wait. No. Was there anything else about dinosaurs? No. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Not so, this time. But there other- is more about stuff being buried under the ground true that's what i was gonna say more shit underground we're gonna talk about um some ancient cities that were undercovered in the amazon rainforest in bolivia so there have actually been like legends circulated for centuries about these lost cities um and there was a search for el dorado which was a supposed city of gold which lured a lot of um, spanish explorers far off the map and many of them never returned and as recently as the 20th century, the British explorer Percy Fawcett searched for what he believed was the lost city of Z. And he vanished into the jungle and added his own unfinished chapter to this like tale that began 600 years ago. Um, so basically colonizers were like, we know that there are these fucking cities and we're going to find them. Um, and what I like to believe is that they were eaten out there by this lost dinosaur, but I don't really know. Um Time-wise, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Historically accurate, I would say. But (laughs) um, recently, there's been uncovered a vast network of ancient cities um, deep within the Bolivian Amazon, thanks to this new technology, which is called a light-based remote sensing technology, or L-I-D-A-R, which enables scientists to- Tani pronounces it LIDAR. Okay, I wasn't sure if you could say it as a word. LIDAR. LIDAR. Um, <laughs> which enables scientists to map things that are under vegetation which without having to um, like actually dig them up. And so that's really big because it defies the narrative that these pre-Hispanic, um, you know, pre-colonization agrarian, civil- agrarian civilizations were little inconsequential societies. They were far larger and more advanced than people had previously believed. And so these new images reveal in detail a stronghold of the socially complex Kasarabe culture from 500 to 1400 CE, with the urban centers boasting monumental platform and pyramid architecture. Um, there were raised uh, causeways connected, which connected a constellation of suburban-like settlements, which stretched for miles across a landscape that was shaped by a massive water control and distribution system with reservoirs and canals. So this was like extremely advanced for what people thought existed there at the time. Incredible. I love that shit. So cool. Wasn't there an animated movie called El Dorado too? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, the road to El Dorado. Yeah. 
We There's a blowjob in it. <gasps> what? <laughs> Wait, what? I, I need feel more like details. It's like not on screen, but there's like a character like comes back on screen and is like wiping her mouth. And then the guy is like pulling his pants up. And it's like very clearly a blowjob happened. Isn't that but I obviously didn't children? notice this as a child. Yeah. Oh, well, it was yeah, like one of those things that I've read and those like. You know, those things that are like secret, like sex things hidden in yeah. Disney. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, yes, yes. I discovered it in something like that. And then I watched it again more recently. And I was like, oh, yeah. Wow. That's oh, my ball. God. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The more you know. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> um, so I am very obsessed with caves and like underground shit. So I wanted to talk about this next one, um, which is this discovery of a network of hidden passageways underground at the Chavin de Huantar temples in Peru. Uh, So these temples are about 2,000 to 3,000 years old. Uh, They were built between around 900 BCE and 400 BCE. There were like different parts to the construction that happened over that whole period of time. And they were built by the Chavin, which was a community that lived in the area before the Inca. So they're like a pre-Incan indigenous people in this area. Um, And the temple itself is, or the temple complex is pretty interesting. Um, It was basically constructed during this time where like political and religious groupings were going through this time of like upheaval and change. So it was basically a time when like, smaller communities of people were starting to like group together in larger societies and cultures and form like more extensive types of organized government. There was like a lot of consolidation of religions, like people who had sort of similar but different spiritual beliefs starting to kind of like unify more around like one religious practice or like one type of worship. Um, And one way that this happened is through huge temple complexes, like the ones at Chavin de Huantar. So people would come from all over the region to experience this like vast construction. It was like built into the landscape. It's very dramatic. Um, And basically people would come to be like guided um, and taught by priests that who were here who would like challenge people's perception of the world in all different kinds of ways. Um, And there have been objects found at this site previously that came from up to 300 miles away, which would have been like a wildly far distance to travel at this time. Uh, So people like really wanted to come to this place and see what it was about. So this site has been like known by modern researchers for a while. It was designated as a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 1985. Um, But it wasn't until recently that they discovered this network of hidden tunnels underneath the main temple rooms. So the temples themselves like the structures are already sort of underground it's like very high up in the andes mountains but the site is specifically in this sort of like valley surrounded by mountaintops um in this area that was like very prone to flooding and the temple rooms are like built into the mountains surrounding this big like open basin area Um, And researchers think that this was an intentional choice, like people at the time would have known that this was a really big flood risk. So it might have been a way of sort of showing like human spiritual ability to deal with like natural disasters in some way. Um, Mm -hmm. 
but anyway, it's just a very cool, um, like wild thing to have built. Um, and the tunnels are even further, like fully underground. And they were originally discovered by an archaeological team in 2019. So they originally explored the area slightly with like a small sort of camera robot, but they couldn't really see that much. They couldn't go in person because of the pandemic. Um, But then more recently in May of this year, they were actually able to go in person. And when they did, they found a whole bunch of interesting stuff down there that I'm going to talk a little bit about. Um, So this section of the temple was like sealed off and it seems like it was sealed potentially even for like thousands of years. So these researchers were probably the first people, yeah, like to go inside for thousands of years. Um, And basically, one thing they found was these very, like, small, isolated little chambers with no natural light. So, like, other parts of this, there were sort of, like, skylights or ways of, like, letting sunlight in to light it. And these rooms just had, like, none of that. So some researchers think that this might have been used for, like, sensory deprivation or for some type of ritual that involved, like, visual or auditory illusions of some sort that would, like, challenge people's perception of the natural world um and then there were also these larger rooms that seemed to have been used more for like religious worship um they often had like idols and other ritual items in them and one of the items found in this area was this bowl with a condor like bird head on it um and a bunch of anthropologists who study pre-incan peruvian society think that this was probably used to like mash up psychedelics for consumption oh wow um and we know that people in this culture consumed um one type of hallucinogenic that is a hallucinogenic cactus basically they would like mash it up and inhale it like a tobacco snuff vibe um Basically, they're like, they've found like mortar and pestles and like tubes for sniffing this substance. And then also artistic depictions of from this culture of people like carrying this cactus around and then like mashing it up and inhaling it. Um, and then having all these effects like their eyes watering or like it's showing that they're consuming some type of substance. Right. Um, and then there's also evidence that people consumed a different psychedelic from a plant called Vilca, which contains a substance similar to DMT. So basically, long story short, these underground tunnels were probably used for tripping um, in some type <laughs> of religious or spiritual vibe, Amazing. which is incredible. <laughs> um, yes. And I guess it's also interesting because uh, these tunnels are really similar to passages that have been found at Teotihuacan, which is a temple complex near Mexico City. Um, And these regions aren't close to each other at all, like way, way further than the distance people seem to have traveled to reach the Chavin de Huantar temples, for example. So it's really fascinating that the construction methods are so similar um i also just have looked into this before because i'm really interested in like underground things and there's actually a lot of like pre-modern and modern communities that have underground religious sites um there are underground churches in ethiopia that were built around a thousand years ago underground caves used as religious sites since at least four thousand years ago in australia um, and ritual art found in a cave in France from around 20,000 years ago. People might have heard about this, the Lascaux cave. 
Um, but basically people have always just found being underground, like very intense and significant. And that has often led to like specific religious rituals or sites being located underground, which I just think is so interesting and spooky of us. That's amazing. That is amazing. I also, um, have, I do have a quick dinosaur update because I, I needed to know. Please. (laughs) I found an article from university of Melbourne. Um, called Triceratops colon just a baby with an exclamation point. <laughs> oh my god! And it says Triceratops is actually a juvenile version of the dinosaur Torosaurus, which this paleontologist John Scanella and Jack Horner discovered because basically there weren't like older like adult versions of Triceratops and there are not juvenile versions of Taurosaurus. And then they like compared their skulls and whatever, whatever. And um, yeah. So Triceratops are just a baby. Just a baby. Triceratops, just a baby. Wow. That (laughs) is wild. My, my world is shaken. Yeah. True. (laughs) Okay. So this is one of my favorites. Um, So earlier this summer, Explorers found a major sinkhole in China, and at the bottom of this sinkhole was an ecosystem of a forest. The hole itself is 1,000 feet in length and 630 feet deep. In this area of China, sinkholes are actually kind of common, and this particular sinkhole will raise the total number of sinkholes to 30. Um, Chen Lixen led the team of explorers, and once they rappelled down into the hole, they were met with giant trees and undergrowth that was as high as their shoulders. These trees were 100 feet high. Just for reference, giant redwood trees grow to be 230 feet tall, and these trees in a hole were 100 feet tall. Wow. Literally wild. Good for that. I know. (laughs) Wait, how were they growing without sun? The sun can get into it, kind of. But it's definitely a slow growth. For it but they grow. are like underground, right? It's just I guess it's sunk like a in. hole. It's sunk so there's, in. there's like... no overtop. There's nothing over top of it. It's a giant hole. There's yeah. a big hole, and so the, trees are I in thought, there. I thought the hole just appeared. That's what I thought. Like no, they just found it. They just uh, found oh okay, yeah, got it. Because I I looked at the pics, but I also thought like it had just like opened like up, open basic that was yes. my impression mm-hmm. as well that the, the whole sink <laughs> <laughs> no i'm pretty sure it's been there um and it's but that's why it has like well it has like stuff in animals it. that have not and small plants that have not been found anywhere else in the world because it's been growing in this hole whoa um okay. go on and so in that region it it's like there's a karst uh, topography. That's how these sinkholes can happen. So karst is a type of topography ideal for geological wonders like this sinkhole. Um, it's created by groundwater dissolving the limestone rock beneath the surface. About 20% of the United States is made up of karst landscapes, including attractions such as Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico and Mammoth Cave in Kentucky. Um, so they might have just like a small entrance to them or they may only be like slightly depressed, right? It doesn't have to be these massive um, 
sinkholes like you see in China. But in China, you have this incredibly visually spectacular karst with enormous sinkholes and giant cave entrances. Um, but yeah, in other parts of the world, you don't necessarily notice. Um, so yeah, new discoveries abound. It's so wild. Um, another new discovery or somewhat new discovery, which we'll get into, is a royal shipwreck off the coast of England. So the ship in question, which is identified as the Gloucester, sank 340 years ago in 1682. And it was carrying very precious cargo, namely James Stewart, the Duke of York, who is better known as the title he would acquire in just a few short years after the shipwreck, King James II. So recently discovered shipwreck is a bit of a misnomer as um, Lincoln and Julian Barnwell, who are brothers, and James Little, who's a friend of theirs, actually discovered the wreck way back in 2007. There's a bit of a theme here. Um, it took literally 15 years for experts to confirm that the wreck was, in fact, the Gloucester. Um, and this, by the way, was only after a four-year, 5,000-mile search for the wreck in the first place. Um, James Stewart, the future king, or the once future king, um, is probably actually like partly responsible for the estimated 250 deaths that resulted from the sinking of the Gloucester. So like royal protocol meant that he had to be the first person to disembark from the ship. And apparently he just like was like, nah, I don't think so. And refused to do so until it was basically almost too late for anyone to get off. So everybody was waiting for him to do it. He just like dilly dallied. And um, then a bunch of people died. And this guy, the future King James II, um, went on to blame the pilot for the disaster, which is interesting because I don't know that the pilot was like around to be like, actually, it was mostly your fault. Anyway, archaeologists and historians are very excited, I think, because now that the ship has been identified um, and items are being retrieved and cataloged from inside it, there's like lots that can be learned. So apparently a lot of the cargo is like pretty well reserved are preserved rather and um, can teach us lots of stuff, including like how sailors dressed or things as wild as like whether that future king was breaking embargoes on French wine. So <laughs> much remains to be seen. Um, keep your eyes on the Gloucester shipwreck development. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Um, okay. So I think this one's my personal favorite because it's so weird. And in this one, we take to the cosmos. So as an effort to sonify the cosmos, researchers have converted the pressure waves from a black hole into an audible something. <laughs> um, it has started as an effort uh, to describe the cosmos to people who have visual difficulty or blindness. And there are several ways people have translated these images. Um, so this is one example of what the Milky Way sounds like or what the inner 400 light years of the Milky Way's downtown area, so to speak. Okay. That is not what wow. I was expecting. Right? Yeah, that's wild. I don't know what I was expecting, but I love it. 
I was tell you what I was so, like, twinkly. It's yeah. like stars. So, <laughs> I um, thought it was going to... I'm oh, sorry. Go I was just going to say, I thought it was going to sound like... <sighs> oh, just wait. <laughs> just wait. I thought it was so going to be more like alien, like... <laughs> <laughs> Vibe. <laughs> so this is not only an exercise in helping folks with... with visual disabilities understanding the cosmos but in general it makes astronomers data more accessible and understandable so nasa took lights and turned it into sound they take the data extrapolate the information they need and translate that into sound okay so that's what they do in general for this practice but earlier this summer NASA found not a translation of a black hole, but the actual sound of a black hole. And that sounds like this. So that's that on that. That's. <laughs> wow. It sounds like someone underwater trying to communicate with us. I just want to say that. Right. And so this is like we can get into how we feel about that. But this is a resonification. So um, a data sonification of an actual sound wave in this cluster of galaxies where there's a supermassive black hole at the center that's sort of burping and sending out these waves. Um, and scientists were able to determine that it's actually like a B flat, about 57 octaves wow. below middle C, which is not within the range of human hearing. So they took that sound and they brought it into the range of human hearing. And that's what we listened to. <laughs> wow. That's so cool. Uh, yeah. It, it's definitely haunted vibes. How many like SoundCloud rappers are going to be? Using that Use audio. this <laughs> as a sample. Exactly. You're welcome for the idea, everyone. <laughs> so another exciting thing that I feel like is related is that the first images from the James Webb telescope were released a few weeks back. Um, this is a relatively new telescope. It is the most powerful telescope in the world slash in the history of all humanity. Um you probably saw the image called Webb's first deep field on Twitter. That one was like circulating pretty wi uh, widely um, a few weeks back. And you may recall that it shows literally thousands of galaxies in deep space. And it is, in fact, the most detailed image ever taken of the distant universe. Unreal. But yeah, it's wild. It's like everything that you see is like a galaxy. Every dot is a galaxy, except for the ones that have little points, which are stars, but like thousands of galaxies that you're just looking at. And what's also wild is that it's just like an, an absolutely minuscule fraction of the universe that we're looking at. So according to NASA, what's pictured in the image, quote, covers a patch of sky approximately the size of a grain of sand held at arm's length by someone on the ground. That's fucking wild. Ooh, I'm gonna have wild. a panic attack later. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to our 420 episode to find out why. <laughs> <laughs> there are 
other images there that have been released and they are like similarly mind boggling, although they didn't necessarily get as much attention on the internet, I don't think. So the largest picture that was released is of Stefan's quintet, quintet, which is a cluster of these like five absolutely beautiful galaxies about 290 million light years away from Earth. And that image, which you can view conveniently shrunk down on your computer screen at nasa.gov slash web, W-E-B-B, first images, is in actuality over 150 million pixels. Um, and if you're wondering what that means practically, 150 million pixels lined up is about one-fifth of the moon's diameter, again, according to NASA. Um, so that's wild. And this that image is, so is wild. It's like just stunning. Um, as a fun fact about the Stefan's Quintet, four of the five galaxies are being pulled together and will probably like combine into one galaxy, while the fifth one is headed directly at them at outrageous speeds and is probably going to crash into them. So, oh my god! That's, that's fun. <laughs> Enjoy the Quintet while it lasts, basically. Oh. So when we're looking at that image, is that even current time? No, not at all. Right. It's 290 million years ago. Right. Oh. So what? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's it's what 290 I million, Basically, it's 290 million what? light years away, which which means that the light took takes 290 million years to get to us. Yes. So what we're seeing is an image 290 million years old. Right. So like older than so the that dinosaur. might That probably is gone. That galaxy system is yeah. gone. <laughs> How am wow. I supposed to get aliens to come save me? <laughs> Unclear. Unclear. We've been trying for a really long time. I mean, I'm I think that's, a little that's bit right part now. of what makes it so hard. Yeah, because it's like, even if we send out a message, they might not even get it for like so long, you know? Damn. I didn't know it was going to be so know. hard to find my alien girlfriend. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, I feel like we'll find a way around it. <laughs> Love will prevail. <laughs> Love a loophole. Um, okay, so this is only semi-related to the space sounds, but it is related to the topic of things that we didn't know made sound making sound. So this is about mushrooms. We've mm -hmm. known for a while that mushrooms communicate with each other. Uh, like the mushrooms that we see above the ground are actually only part of the whole organism. And the underground part is like a larger fungus with all the individual little shroomies being connected by this root structure called mycelium. So mushrooms use mycelium to share water and nutrients with each other. Um, and they also like connect a lot of different plants around them, including trees, which is very cool. So researchers have discovered, for example, that trees that get a lot of sunlight will like send some of their nutrients through the mycelium network that's connected to their roots to other trees in shadier areas who aren't getting as many nutrients. Um, and other plants will like operate in similar ways. Um, I love this just because I feel like we often like the way that nature is talked about, especially in the US is very like competition, survival of the fittest. Um, but this is a great example of other organisms besides humans using cooperation and like helping a whole group of each other survive. Um, but anyway, that is just some backstory about mushrooms. So basically we know that mushrooms do all of this like communication and sending things using electrical signals 
And those signals can be translated into sound. So I feel like some of our listeners have probably seen these videos of like mushroom music on TikTok or Instagram. Um, It's this really cool, like trippy synth music that people make basically by connecting um, like a synth up to a mushroom. And it's like, it's triggered by the electrical impulses. So it makes like different notes depending on what the mushroom is doing. Um, So that's kind of been going on for like a few years now. Yeah, it's so, it's so fun. I highly recommend just Googling like mushroom music um, or look up this person, um, Tarun Teaspoon on Instagram. It's Um, T-A-R-U-N-T-S-P-O-O-N. They're biologist who does this like, and musician who makes a lot of this stuff. Um, But basically, that ha- that's been going on but more recently there's this other really exciting discovery so earlier this year this researcher was able to identify a lot more specifics about like the language that mushrooms use to communicate so basically they analyzed the electrical data that mushrooms send to each other and they found that the structure of the communication has a lot of similarity to human language they were even able to identify like basically what might be specific words. So they found that mushroom networks typically use about 50 different words to communicate. um, And about 15 to 20 of those words are used frequently. Um, And then the other thing that was cool is like a lot of the words have like the same relationships as words in human languages. So in terms of like length, they have like, there's like similar relationships of all the different lengths of the words to like, another language that we already know. Um, So I do think it's important to say that this is just a hypothesis at the moment. Basically, they were able to look at like electrical impulses and isolate them and be like, this is working like a language, like the structure is like a language. We don't know for sure that like mushrooms feel like these are words. Right. But... I They're do like, feel we're like communicating it's, way beyond right. you. They're like, we <laughs> yeah. don't even, like, why are you studying us? We but, are a brain. Um, I do feel like it's the first step towards us being able to communicate with mushrooms, which I I'm very that. excited about. I so. just want to <laughs> posit, Zoe, if you are looking for an alien girlfriend and that doesn't work out, would mushroom you consider girlfriend. a mushroom girlfriend? <laughs> I would consider a mushroom girlfriend. Would you say that <laughs> I'm your mushroom girlfriend? <laughs> no, you're my human girlfriend that I do mushrooms with. <laughs> Fine. Um, I also wanted to say that there is a way that you can do this yourself. Um, and, uh, there's a company called Playtronica. They're out of the UK and they create pretty accessible synths and specifically touch synths, which means, um, you can attach, a basically like a, a node to whatever you want and, uh, create musical sounds out of them. Um, really fun. I think it's like 60 bucks. Um, so any of you watch Star Trek Discovery I feel like I've asked this before Walita (laughs) yeah well I'm gonna bring it up again because season one the main I mean this is throughout the show but it's specifically focused on really in season one is the main premise is that they time jump using the mycelium network that's what like fuels their um 
little spaceship contraption. Oh, that's cool. It's amazing. So anyway, um, that's a fun show. And they, there's some like mushroom communication, but yeah, they're able to like use it to like time travel through the universe. And it's really fucking cool. Oh, mushrooms doing the most, even in outer space. Yes, exactly. So the next thing we want to talk about is the wall of fish, which this one actually isn't <laughs> new, it, but it like it, it wasn't a new discovery, but it just went viral on TikTok. Um, so it's, it's new to Gen Z. Um, and to most of us, really. Yeah. I, please tell me what this is. <laughs> I'm yeah, obsessed seriously. with it. <laughs> what is the wall of fish? <laughs> so there's this like wall of fish or like floor of fish. Um and it's part of the Mesozoic era zone, which scientists have been really interested in for a long time. But um, I'm going to kind of first talk about like what's been going around TikTok and then I'll, I'll talk about it a little more like of the, the scientific understanding um, that's like been around before that. But so um, it's essentially this like really, really dense mass of fish. And it's so dense that for a long time, people thought it was part of the ocean floor. Um, but what part of what was suspicious is that it kept like slightly moving, but like as this really big mass and they're not just regular fish because of this zone they're in their mesopelagic fish, which um, because of the density, they would warp sonar. And I'll get to that a little bit more later, how that was discovered. But once they realized like, oh, that's not a floor that is actually a, a lot of fish clumped together. That's fish. <laughs> that is fish. Gentlemen, that's moving. Fish. Yes. <laughs> and so they initially estimated that there were so many fish that a conservative estimate would say it's about 65% of all fish, all of them. Yeah. That's um, wild. As like a low, in the world. Yeah. On, on planet Earth. <laughs> Um, as a low estimate, and it could be up to 95% of fish because of just like how densely <laughs> packed together shit. they are. Wow. Um, and so as kind of previously understood, uh, the mesopelagic zone um, is sometimes referred to as the twilight zone as it's located in the center of the ocean between the pipetid, which collects the most amount of light, and then the qualkir zone, which absorbs zero light. And the creatures in this zone include fish, shrimp, octopus, snipe eels, jellies, and zooplankton. And so according to recent research, the population of fish within the twilight zone may be 10 times more than what was originally understood. But to live in such low light, many organisms in the netherworld, as they say, make their own light and in process known as luminous bacteria to attract carnivores and victims <laughs> and their victims. So some twilight zone species dwell in the shades while others migrate to and from the ocean surface every day in um, the world's greatest animal movement. Oh my God. So during World War II, the US Navy sonar officers were perplexed by this movement because the sonar scans appeared to show the sea bottom at altering depths. And that's why they were like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and ergo, the wall of fish. Wow. That wow. Honestly, now I'm like, what are the other five to 35% of fish doing? Like, why are they not part of this? Yeah, is no this solidarity. Like, like, collective. 95% of everyone in the world is in one spot, and you're just like, not. <laughs> Aquarius energy. 
Wow. <laughs> Roasted. <laughs> um, well, you know, that's that's our show this week. If people wanted to join a collective that wasn't necessarily the group of fish in the Twilight Zone. But that they might could, be the group of fish. But but <laughs> might be that group of fish, you could join our Discord community at season of the bitch no just kidding at patreon.com slash season of the bitch you can follow us on instagram and twitter you can rate review subscribe on itunes and spotify and wherever else you're listening to this hell yeah my other mystery was all of us i think it's amazing that at one time we were all a sperm and an egg and now we're perfect humans I thought you were I, just gonna be like, it's amazing that the four <laughs> hottest, smartest people found all make a each podcast other. together. Yes, <laughs> like, you know, well, and then we found each too. other. But I was going through the historical accuracy. Wait, yeah, you went sperm and egg. You're going way back. Going all of our faces like scrunched when you said sperm. We were like, what? <laughs> it's uh, scientifically accurate. <laughs> I know. I mean, you're right. <laughs> uh, well. Then oh we all found each other. Thank God. And I'm so glad we did. Seriously. Because I love you. Love you. Love you. Bye. 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 Bitch.